0: What is up, guys, and welcome into the Blake Pace Podcast. I am your host, Blake Pace. Of course, you shouldn't be surprised by that. And uh, yeah, welcome back. Um, This is episode six of the Blake Pace Podcast. Um, You know, got a few things that we're going to discuss today. Not going to be an extremely long show today. Um, First off, happy Memorial Day. Um, You know, of course, enjoy a long weekend. You know, a big thank you to all of uh, those who serve and who have served. Um... And today is a great day for uh, all of us to show our appreciation to those who have served. So, um, yeah, a few things going on today. Um, I'm going to, you know, talk a little about the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, which just wrapped up last night. Um, If you are listening to this and it is on a Tuesday, um, you already know the outcome to the Warriors-Rockets Game 7. But I'm going to talk a little bit about that series, where I was wrong on that. Um and then we're gonna look at the top five up and coming teams in the NFL. Um, you know I think that there are some you know bright futures in the organization. Um, and I think that uh, yeah I'm gonna break that down, put my stamp on it. That I believe you know these next these five teams that I'm gonna mention you know a few years down the line are gonna be some of the powerhouses in the NFL. Um, but before we get there, we're gonna start of course with my player profile. This is episode number six, and if you have any knowledge of my fan base or my fandom um, in the NBA, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, it is God Zingis, uh, poor zingod the unicorn, Kristaps Porzingis, uh, forward center for the New York Knicks. Um, my man crush over the last three years, um, and a guy that you know for New York has been a maybe the only bright spot in over you know the last decade or so for New York. Um, you know you know, Mellow you might want to consider a bright spot for them, but, you know, you never really got that much success. You know, there was a one year where they were a two seed in the East, but, um, certainly went downhill after that. Um, but then, you know, we were blessed with a seven foot three forward who, you know, gets two blocks a game and can shoot, you know, around 39% from three. Um, So specifically, you know, going with a heartbreaking year that we had this year um, for the New York Knicks, his first all-star selection um, at the age of 22, um, you know, scored under just under 23 points a game, 22.7, collected in 6.6 rebounds. Um, Those numbers, in my opinion, you know, a little misguiding because uh, we had a dominant center in Ennis Cantor, probably the best center KP has been lined up with. So that definitely took a lot of boards from him. But then, yeah, 2.4 blocks a game, uh, shot 43% from the field, um, which is down from the season before, but, you know, this was the first year that he was kind of considered the guy in New York, um, you know, after Mello requested his trade to OKC, um, but then he also shot 39.5% from three. I love this guy. I think he is one of the brightest futures in the NBA. Um and it's exciting. I, I, you know, I'm excited to see him come back healthy. I'm excited to see him under new head coach, Dave Fisdale. Um, and I like the direction the Knicks are going. So, um, definitely wanted to give some love to my guy, Chris Stops. Um, and you know, looking for some other number sixes, uh, this one was just a, I guess, I can't say I really loved watching him play. He had some decent years in the NFL, but this is more of a guy that just had a more of a personal connection with, and that is a uh, New York Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez, um, currently a uh, free agent, I believe, uh, the Sanchez um, former uh, first round pick, fifth overall pick um, in the 2009 draft. Um, I grew up in uh, Cortland, New York, and you know for a decent amount of Mark Sanchez's career, the New York Jets would do their uh, spring training in Cortland, so I've you know gotten to watch Mark Sanchez a lot um got to meet him once took a couple pictures with him um and yeah so i guess you know if i'm looking at a specific season in my opinion his best year was the 2011 season although the record didn't show it um it was in my opinion his best season um they went the jets went 8 and 8 on the year he threw for almost 3500 yards 26 touchdowns he did have a career oh no not a career high he did have 18 interceptions um you know that that jets team is kind of like what you've seen with some teams recently a great defense and then eh, quarterback just leads you to the postseason. That was definitely what the Jets were back then. Um, and you know what? I'm just gonna leave it at those two. I don't want to talk about smoking Jay Cutler. Um, you know, he's an interesting guy if you want to get into it. Um, kind of took a money grab this year in Miami, uh, you know, left a broadcasting job to go back to the Dolphins and uh, reconnect with Adam Gase didn't have the best year um by any means the Dolphins went six and eight but um I guess he's a guy that wore number six so um yeah we'll wrap that up poor Zingad uh smoking Jay Cutler and then Mark Sanchez a you know an amazing day uh for number sixes so the last time I spoke to you guys um which was last Wednesday it was right before uh game five of the Eastern Conference Finals um, and you know i put you know my mark down since the beginning of this series i thought you know cavs would win in 6 i stood by that when boston took a 2-0 lead i thought cleveland would you know just rattle off four wins after winning two at home and of course you know i was a, a little off i did go seven games but um the cavaliers did pull out um of the series last night um beating <clears throat> excuse me beating the uh boston celtics 87 to 79 um, and you know, it kind of just, you know, it, it, it amazes me, um, what LeBron James is able to do, um, with his supporting cast, um, LeBron playing in all 48 minutes, scored 35 points, 15 rebounds, nine assists. Um, he shot, you know, three from eight from three, you know, 38 percent's is not terrible. 50% from the field, um, eight of 11 free throws. Um, he did have eight turnovers, but that's what happens, you know, you play a full 48 minutes and you're the primary ball handler, you expect some numbers like that. Um, but, you know, it was just, you know, your classic LeBron dominates kind of game. And fortunately, he did have help um, in the last two games, specifically from uh, Jeff Green, who kind of filled into the slot after, missing, uh, after Kevin Love went out with his concussion or head injury um, in game six. He was, you know, big for the Cavs with 14 points and three rebounds and even up that last night, um, hitting 19 points on, with 8 rebounds on a 7-for-14 shooting. Um, you also had, you know, a decent game from J.R. Smith. He had th- uh, 3 three-pointers. Tristan Thompson, almost a double-double, 10 points, 9 rebounds. Um, and then you look at the rest, and besides the names that I mentioned, um, there were 11 points scored by other Cavaliers um, between George Hill, Kyle Korver, and Larry Nance Jr. I mean... Just think about that for a second. You know, this Cavs team made it to the NBA Finals. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, they made it without Kevin Love. Kevin Love was not there the the last two games that they needed to win. And LeBron James played those final two games with a team that had uh, no player average over 10 points in the regular season. To me, you know, it was just a fully dominant game from LeBron. I... I hate the people that want to call out that, um, you know, LeBron needs all this help to make it to the finals, and then when he makes it to the finals with no help, it's like, oh, well, he beat a Cavs team with, you know, missing their best two players, and, you know, they have a bunch of rookies on the floor, a bunch of guys that aren't, you know, experienced in the playoffs, shut up, appreciate his greatness, you know, I can't stand, I, I feel like people these days just have every reason to pick apart LeBron James. And, you know, some stuff, there, some stuff about his game I don't like. I think sometimes he plays as a soccer player. And by that, I mean, you know, he gets hit on the head and he checks for blood. I don't think I've ever seen an NBA player check for blood as much as I have LeBron James. I mean, he seems to check for blood every time he gets hit. Um, and I don't, I don't understand why he's doing it. He's, you know, one of the strongest guys in the league, you know that's that that kind of irks me but that has nothing to do with his talent um that kind of is just a weird side note of his play i it's confusing to me but anyways people just want to pick apart his game and i i i don't understand you know why you can't just sit down and enjoy greatness you know people were mad when kevin durant went to the warriors and built this super team you know, it, it, it is, you know, upsetting that you have, you know, an overly stacked team and, you know, a, a dynasty forming, but we get to enjoy a team that has, you know, the second and third best players in the world in Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and two other players that are, you know, probably in the top 15 of the NBA. So people just always want to nitpick, you know, the league. There's always stuff to argue about, to, you know, be upset about. I think that we all just need to appreciate the game of basketball, appreciate the game of LeBron James, because what he is doing is remarkable. In his 15th season, played his 100th game last night, a full 48, scored, you know, 35 of his team's points, 9 assists, 15 rebounds, 2 blocks, and yet people are calling for LeBron after, well, oh, you beat, you know, an inexperienced team with, you know, missing its best two players. The Celtics are a pretty damn good team. Um, Brad Stevens, top two coach in the NBA, Jason Tatum, I know he's a rookie, but he is a bona fide star in this league Um, moving forward for the Celtics. um, It'll be interesting to see what they do at their, you know, two through four positions when they get Gordon Hayward back, uh, you know, with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That'll be interesting to watch. But, you know, I'm tired of, you know, all of us giving reasons to not appreciate LeBron James. Um, you know, when he won with the Heat, it's, well, you know, he, he left Cleveland and joined this very stacked team, and, you know, they, hey, they lost that finals the first time to the Dallas Mavericks, um, and then they beat two teams, oh, well, they're, you know, two-star studded, you know, those d- rings don't count because Michael Jordan really never needed a, you know, huge team or, um, you know, a powerhouse like the uh, LeBron did with the Heat, and, you know, when he went back to Cleveland, it's, Oh, well, he, you know, he's got Kyrie Irving now. They, he made them trade for Kevin Love. He's got a stacked team again. You know, LeBron can't do this on his own. No NBA player can do it on his own. Michael Jordan in the playoffs before he got Scottie Pippen was 1-9 in nine, um, in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, people just want to throw that under the rug and ignore that and just say, Michael Jordan, six NBA Finals, six Finals MVPs, greatest of all time. Yeah, he, he is the greatest of all time. You know, he was one of the most talented players and won a lot. But you look at what was before he got his second star and, you know, one of the greatest head coaches of all time. And now, you know, it, we we ignore those things, but we can't give LeBron any credit for what he does. Um, I know this has kind of turned into a LeBron rant, and I didn't necessarily want it to be, but kind of just where my mind took me. Um, you know, at the end of the day, in that Game 7... Um, you know, the, the Celtics guys hit a wall, um, and not Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum was electric, 24 points, nine of 17 shooting. Um, it wasn't that great from three. The team wasn't that great from three, seven of 39 for 17.9%. Um, but at the same time, Cleveland was neither only hitting 25% of their threes. Um, but then, you know, you look at Terry Rozier, 36 minutes, four points, four assists, two of 14 shooting. He of course did not have a great game. Um, neither did Marcus Smart who played 30 minutes off the bench, four points. He did get seven assists, but shot one of 10 from the field. Jalen Brown, 13 points in 39 minutes, but five of 18 shooting. It was just a rough day for any Celtics players, not named Jason Tatum. Um, and Al Horford, I have to give him some credit too. seven of 12 from the field. Um, three for three from the line, 17 points, um, only four rebounds though um and marcus morris really dominated the boards for the celtics but you know it was just at, at some point some of your guys are going to hit a wall and boston went extremely far into the playoffs without some of their younger guys hitting a wall of course jason tatum never did that's why i believe he is you know a future bona fide star in this league um but you know jalen brown terry rogier marcus smart they weren't expected to be this great this season. Um, and you know, I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect Jason Tatum to be this great as well, but of course, you know, he was this great throughout the entire season, but you know, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, those three guys I look at specifically kind of fell apart when the pressure mounted, um, you know, defense tightens up even more so in game sevens. Um, so that was extremely tough for them to deal with. And that's why Boston, you know, didn't score over 80 points. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing that I was seeing the other day, and it was, you know, making the excuse that it might be better for LeBron to not make the finals. Um, and of course, they are there now, so it's too late for that. But, you know, I just wanted to throw this out there that, you know, when you talk about the greatness of Michael Jordan, you say 6-0 and 0 in the finals, six finals MVPs, greatest of all time. You can, you know, essentially end the case there. LeBron is taking, you know, probably one of his worst teams that he's been on into the finals to play up against you know either the golden state warriors which are you know the the greatest team assembled of all time or the houston rockets you know one of the um best offensive systems of all time two you know great stars in chris paul james harden um and you know amazing three-point shooters so when lebron james ends his career we're going to look at his final record his his record in the finals and say oh lebron james not the greatest of all time. He won three, maybe four rings by the end of his career and had a losing record in the finals, which is fine. I understand that argument. You know, if you have a losing record in the finals and, you know, if you look at Michael Jordan, who is and 6-0 in the finals, you know, Michael Jordan's the greatest. But, you know, we also forget that there were some years that Michael Jordan didn't make the finals. But we don't talk about that because when he was in the finals, he was undefeated. LeBron, on the other hand, always makes the finals. This is his eighth consecutive trip to the finals. A remarkable feat but he has a losing record. So that's all we pay attention to. We don't appreciate the Eastern Conference championships, how many of those he won. It comes down to the NBA finals. And so at the end of the day, we're going to look at LeBron's record. And if he is going to lose the finals to whichever team gets there, and you know, I believe that if the Rockets or Warriors do, I'm probably going to side with either of them to beat this Cavaliers team. LeBron's record in the finals becomes worse than what it is currently and you know it could continue to be that way so is it better for LeBron to make it to the finals and have a worse record or to finally you know end that streak of you know eastern conference dominance but also save his finals record um that was just something interesting I wanted to you know put out there so you guys could think about um And of course, if you feel any, you know, strong opinion one way or the other, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to, you know, debate some stuff about that, um, have a, you know, open discussion. Um, I just think it's really interesting to think that, you know, maybe it's better for LeBron's career to not make it to the finals, um, which is something he has done consistently since he went um, since his last year in Cleveland before going to Miami. So now moving on to the Western Conference Finals, and I I mentioned, you know, I was a little off in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, picking it to end in six, it went to seven. Um, I was definitely uh, more wrong in the terms of uh, this Houston Golden State series, which I had picked Golden State to win in five games. Um, Of course, there were some amazing efforts um, from Chris Paul, James Harden, um Eric Gordon as well has really stepped up over the past few games and they you know they forced a game seven they had a you know a 3-2 lead going into Golden State for game six um of course Chris Paul goes down um Warriors are able to stick that out and finish um off Houston in game six to force a game seven and you know now Chris Paul isn't healthy he is not playing in the game tonight um And at the end of the day, I'm still sticking with the Warriors. I think, you know, just looking at how this series went, if Chris Paul was available, I would pick the Rockets to win this series. Um, I think that, you know, the Warriors have had a really rough series, um, (laughs) essentially until the third quarter of game six, really, and then they caught fire. Um, but you know, without Andre Iguodala, I think Kavan Looney is playing tonight. Um, which is, you know, a, a, just a guy off the bench. You can plug him in at the four. Um, if Chris Paul was playing, I would say that the Rockets would win this series and win game seven and move to the finals. Um, but I think that they kind of just lack the right, um, leadership at the point guard position when Chris Paul isn't, um, on the court, you know, I've been critical of James Harden in the playoffs. And once again, he has had a pretty horrific playoffs, um, yet again. And, you know, I just think, you know, you saw that in game six too, of course, you know, he had to carry the load without Chris Paul, but it still didn't work out that great. He was hot for certain stretches. Um, at the end of the day though, I think that this Houston offense operates better with Chris Paul um, holding onto the ball. I think James Harden sometimes is too focused on, you know, getting fouls, you know, drawing, um, getting to the free throw line, drawing fouls. And in game six, it didn't really work out that well. You know, he had, I think, 21 drives to the paint. And in those 21 drives in game six, he didn't get to the foul line once. Um, He got to the foul line other times in the game, I believe, just not off drives into the paint. Um, so you look at that and, you know, maybe that's just kind of the way that the NFL is, the NBA is built, you know, in the playoffs, you are more, um, relaxed on calling fouls and, you know, James Harden really builds his game off getting to the free throw line and, you know, getting into the paint, drawing those hard fouls, getting to the line. Um, and it didn't really happen in game six. And maybe that's a reason why he hasn't been so successful in the playoffs the last few seasons, um, um, but you know, at the end of the day, the Warriors are going to move on to the finals after this game tonight. Um I would be shocked if they lost honestly um I believe Houston has done all they can. They've pushed Golden State to their best game, and we saw you know the Warriors in the second half of um game six really bring out their best game. Clay Thompson was electric. you know you have that Clay Thompson third quarter um you know, you almost come to expect it you know when their backs are against the wall. Klay Thompson just has a quarter where he goes, you know, ballistic from the three-point line. He gets to the paint, gets to the foul line. Um his, you know, he's the hottest shooter in the league um, when he catches fire. And it really helps, you know, the other two stars on that team, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, find their rhythm when, you know, defenses are shifting to Klay Thompson and have to adjust to him um, hitting all their shots. So I do expect Golden State to run away with this one um and move to the finals and I do expect at the end of the day that um Golden State will beat the Cleveland Cavaliers you know once it gets there I'll give you my full prediction probably on Wednesday I'm hoping to have someone come in and um you know I'm I'm hoping to have a guest on the podcast for Wednesday to kind of break down the NBA finals um and I'll give my final prediction on Wednesday even if we can't do that but it's going to be pretty hard for me to give the Cavs even one game if it's against the Golden State Warriors. If it's the Houston Rockets, I think it's a much more competitive series, but if Golden State advances, you know, LeBron might get swept. Um, I'll just, you know, say that for things, but, um, that'll wrap up, uh, Eastern and Western conference talk for today. Um, I'm excited to watch the game tonight. It's been a, it's been a good playoffs. Um, especially in the East, you know, we had a, you know, a decent series between Boston and, uh, Philly um, in the semis of course this series with Cleveland and Boston um, has been great you think back to Cleveland and Indiana um, that seven game series was uh, fun to watch of course you know in the west we had a great series between Houston and Golden State Um, some of the other series were a little competitive early on but didn't fall that way Um, didn't really go the the distance but um, in a year when we you know thought we could pencil in Golden State versus Cavs, you know, even though we might get that, I think the playoffs and the season as a whole were much more interesting. And, you know, that's, you know, um, props to the NBA for not panicking over this superstar team, you know, Cavs versus Warriors part four. Um, People think that it would be bad for the NBA, but, you know, we got a good playoffs out of it, a good season out of it. And I think that the NBA is in a great place moving forward. All right. And on to our last segment of the day, this is going to be a bit of a shorter podcast than what we've had before. Um, I was looking, you know, through just some NFL news, looking at some NFL teams. And I realized that, you know, there are a few teams that I think have some amazing future, um, potential in the NFL where, you know, we could be looking a few years down the road and they're a powerhouse in the league. And right now they may not look that way, but you know, they have the potential to be something great, and I'm not going to go with, you know, some of these up-and-coming teams have already blossomed, you know, so I'm not picking, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, you know, were in the AFC Championship game, I'm not picking the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they are a young up-and-coming team with, you know, a a stud at quarterback, a stud young quarterback, Um, and so I'm not picking them, I'm also not picking the, uh, who is it? The Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think we're all aware of the potential they have now. Um, their time is now. I'm kind of more looking at the teams that are really starting over this season, but five years down the road, you know, maybe even as early as three years, three to five seasons, they could be one of the best teams in the NFL. So kicking things off at number five, I'm going to go um, up to the AFC East, uh, the New York Jets. Um, you know, They're a team that I look at. I look at their young nucleus, um, and I just see potential on all different aspects of the field. Now, you know, we start off at the most important position in football, that is the quarterback. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Sam Darnold. Um, I think I had him as my fifth favorite quarterback in this draft class. Um, Still, you know, a first-round talent. I don't think, you know, he's one of those guys that is going to be a game-changer at the position. But I do believe he can turn into a serviceable starter um, with the right guidance, you know, right now, Josh McCown, you know, I expect, you know, for him to hopefully let Sam Darnold in and kind of, you know, groom him into what it's like to be a quarterback, um, in the NFL. Of course they have Teddy Bridgewater. Um, so, you know, they could just eventually roll with Teddy if he is, you know, for some reason, the future of this team and, you know, has an amazing season. Um, you know, maybe he looks great in training camp. I just think, you know, the quarterback position isn't the greatest for the Jets, but I think it has potential to be serviceable at best. And through you know recent years, that seems like it. You all, that's all that you really need for success. You know, you look at the two championship games um, in the NFL this year. Blake Bortles was at quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Case Keenum was at quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, and Nick Foles was quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. So you know, while I do believe quarterback is the most important position um, on an NFL roster. I think that these guys have the potential to be serviceable enough for this team to have sustained success. Um, Looking elsewhere on the roster, you know, I just, I am a big fan of their defense. I think that they have one of the um, highest potential, you know, combination of safeties in the league. I, you know, I look at the league and there are a few good um, safety duos, but the combination of Marcus May and Jamal Adams, I think has potential, he has elite potential um, you know, running through the back of that defense. I believe, you know, um, their linebacking core. I am a big fan of Darren Lee. Um, he didn't have a great rookie season, but I believe that he has grown consistently since then, um, is a good linebacker, um, on the defensive line. They still have Leonard Williams, of course, um, who is 24 years old, more than capable of getting things turned around. Um, I like their wide receiving core. I believe, you know, um, our Darius Stewart, um, Robbie Anderson, uh, who else do they have? They brought in Lucky Whitehead, Jermaine Curse, Quincy and Nunwa. I think that, you know, specifically looking at Robbie Anderson, Quincy and um, Ardarius Stewart, I believe has some potential Robbie Anderson. Um, I think I already said his name, but Jermaine Curse as well. I like that receiving core, um, you know, not a stud out there, but a guy, but a few guys that I think have potential to be thousand yard receivers, um, and then, you know, you look at the running back um, committee, you know, Bilal Powell seems to be the guy, but he's also hitting 30 years old. They did bring Isaiah Crowell in, um, who I think was one of the better options at the running back position in free agency this past season. He's only 25 years old. I think he'll he's capable enough to become the starter um, next season for the uh, Jets. Um, of course, they also have Elijah McGuire, Thomas Rawls, um, the offensive line is also my biggest concern and you know some of these other teams I'm going to talk about line uh, offensive line has you know some of their greatest upside um, I'm a little worried about the offensive line especially when it comes into protecting these quarterbacks um, you know Sam Darnold doesn't play that great in in a tight pocket, um, so I'm a little nervous about how that line will hold up to support him. Of course, you need to protect Teddy Bridgewater at all costs because he is coming back from a gruesome injury, and Josh McCown as well, who I don't expect to be on the Jets in a few years when I'm saying they'll have the, the breakthrough. Um, but, you know, he is an older guy that you would like to see on the team um, for a little bit, so hopefully he can remain healthy behind an offensive line that is a little bit shaky. Um, at the end of the day... I just think that this is a team that has potential um, mostly on the defensive side. It reminds me back in the days, um, you know, not too long ago where, you know, you had Mark Sanchez at quarterback and you had a great defense, you know, Darrell Revis, you had some studs back on the defense. The defensive line was great and they got to the postseason because of that defense, a, a, a good running game and then, you know, decent enough quarterback play um, and a passing offense. So I think that... Um, the sky could be the limit for the New York Jets if they hit things right of course Sam Darnold go ahead and prove me wrong you know I it's not like I'm trying to say that I don't want uh, Sam Darnold to be successful I just think it's going to be a tougher road for him to find success in the NFL I'd love for him to prove me wrong I would love for him to you know dominate for the Jets um, a team that I kind of have a hometown connection with um, and I'd like to see them have success um, and I think you know within a few years they're they have potential to be one of the better teams in the NFL. All right, now to number four. Um, and I hope you guys don't think that this is biased at all, but I'm putting the Indianapolis Colts um, in there for teams that have the brightest future. Um, you know, they finished with uh, the f- third worst record or four- third worst record um, in the league last year. Um But there were a lot of things going on with the organization. This organization is a team that I believe could even be better than my, you know, my number four ranking a few years down the road. Um, There's a lot to be excited about as a Colts fan, and they're really heading in the right direction. You know, this team had so much potential through the younger years of Andrew Luck's career and, you know, poor management. Um, Ryan Grigson may go down as one of the worst GMs of all time in NFL uh, history, did some terrible things um, in the draft in free agency, overpaid for some two, you know, some older guys, didn't build an offensive line around Andrew Luck, and really, you know, put Luck's career in danger. Um, of course, this is reliant um, this ranking, having him at number four, um, having the quotes at number four, is reliant on Andrew Luck returning to full health. Um, of course, he is getting older, but I believe, you know, he could be, if healthy, entering the prime of his career now. And, um... You know so this is solely based on Andrew luck returning to full health, but I do believe they have some of the highest potential of teams to you know be at the top of the league five years down the road. Looking at the roster, um, I believe that they have a uh, great wide receiving core um, or at least a great number one wide receiver. TY Hilton, in my opinion, um, is one of the better receivers in the league that kind of gets um, cast aside just because you know, a, you know the past few years have been rough without great quarterback play, um, you know, Andrew Luck's been sidelined, Jacoby Brissett did a serviceable job last year, but, you know, T.Y. Hilton, um, his name doesn't get, you know, all the glory as, you know, an Odell or Julio or Antonio Brown, but um, he is undoubtedly one of the better receivers in football. The offensive line finally might be getting better, um, you know, bringing in Quentin Nelson with pick number six in the NFL draft last year, um, possibly one of the best guard prospects um since uh zach martin was uh selected by the cowboys um he will you know just slide in right to you know left guard protect andrew luck or whoever's a quarterback for the next um, 10 to 12 years um and will you know instantly be one of the better linemen in all of football um of course the you know talking about the colts it's all just potential and its potential surrounding management and coaching um this roster, you know, from bottom to top outside of, you know, Quinton Nelson, uh, Malik Hooker at safety, who is, you know, returning from an ACL injury, um, Andrew Log 2 Hilton, Jacoby Brissett, um, this roster doesn't have anything, you know, really exciting or captivating on it. Um, Ryan Grigson did such a terrible job as GM that Frank, uh, not Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, uh, current GM, has spent the last few years just clearing out all the dead money and you know starting over, literally just wiping away the the roster, bringing in guys, bringing in homegrown talent and kind of retooling on um, the Indianapolis Colts. So this is all purely based on that Chris Ballard knows what he's doing, which I am a firm believer. I've heard from multiple people that he is one of the brightest Um, up-and-coming guys in the NFL, which is exciting to hear as a Colts fan. Um, Of course, we were supposed to have Josh McDaniels as our head coach, but he, of course, uh, turned away last second, and we have Frank Reich, um, who was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, had a great season in Philly. I think will bring a lot to the um, offensive side of the ball. You know, I like how uh, how he plans to utilize the running back committee, um, you know, we selected two running backs in the draft. Also had Marlon Mack um, in last year's draft selected. I think there are a few guys that can kind of mimic what Philadelphia did with their running back core. Um, and the defense, you know, the defense is kind of a mess right now. You know, aside from Malik Hooker, um, the the DBs are you know not looking that great. I don't like any of our starting cornerbacks currently. Um, Line backing is poor. The you know pass rush isn't great, but it's riding on the potential that Chris Ballard is actually one of the brightest minds in all of football, and for that reason, I have to have the Colts in the top five as teams I could see being atop the NFL five years from now. On to number three, right in the middle of my top five teams that I believe to be the future of the NFL, um, I, I have to look at Chicago with the Bears. Um, I, I've loved all the moves that the Bears have made over the last few seasons, and um, it, it begins with Mitch Trubisky. Um of course, you know, he wasn't my number one or number two quarterback choice in last year's draft. Um, you know, I had both Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes ahead of him in my quarterback rankings. Um, but Mitchell Trubisky, you know, in my opinion, is better than any of the quarterbacks selected in this year's draft. Um and, you know, had a productive rookie season, something that I think he'll definitely be able to build upon, especially with Matt Nagy coming in as his head coach. Um, of course, from Kansas City under Andy Reid. Andy Reid, of course, one of the brightest offensive minds in football. I think Matt Nagy can bring a lot to the plate, um, to the table for the Chicago Bears offense. I think they made, you know, some of the better moves in free agency. You know, they replenished their wide receiving core. Allen Robinson is there now. Um, They brought in Trey Burton from the uh, tight end from the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, in my opinion, they have one of the better running games in football when you combine offensive line talent and their running back committee. Um, They took, you know my second favorite linebacker in the draft at pick number eight, Roquan Smith. I think, you know, he has potential to be what the Bears have been missing since Brian Urlacher left. Um, I am a fan of their, uh, cornerbacks, their defensive backs. This team is all kind of, to me, just riding on a Matt Nagy being, um, a serviceable head coach. Of course, um, we've seen some of the brighter offensive minds take over NFL teams and really explode their potential. Um, you know, boost it up, like, you know, Sean McVay with the Rams, um, and, you know, my number two team that we'll talk about in a second, but, you know, first thing that this is relying on is Matt Nagy being what, um, kind of replicating the success as an offensive, you know, guru coming into a team with, you know, a young quarterback, young nucleus, and really, uh, maximizing their full potential. The second thing comes to, um, Mitchell Trubisky, and I guess that also coincides with if he fits into this offensive scheme that Matt Nagy is bringing over, but of course I'd like to see him continue his growth that you had over the rookie season into the following season. Um, I think he has potential to be, you know, in the better half, I guess I'd say I, I expect him to kind of be in the, I guess, 32 teams, I'd say, in between the 16 to 20 range of quarterbacks, maybe even break into that top half of quarterbacks in the NFL. But, of course, this is five years down the road. He has potential, of course, um, to become one of the better quarterbacks in football by then. Um, And, yeah, there's just so much potential at every position on this roster. I believe their wide receiving core has great potential. Mitchell Trubisky, the running game could only, you know, continue to improve. The offensive line will only continue to improve. Um, you know, I think they do need some, uh, better pass rush in the middle, maybe some run stuffers that you tackle the linebacking core is improving and I like their secondary. This team is, um, a team that I look at, you know, in a few years, maybe the, the Vikings have, you know, kind of run out of luck by then, or maybe, you know, Matt Stafford and the lions have, you know, fallen off or maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't on the green Bay Packers the Bears could become the team to beat in the NFC North five years down the road. I certainly think that they deserve to be um, on my list of top five teams I see um, rising to fame in the NFL five years from now. Now at number two, um, and I hinted at this a few seconds ago, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, um, and this was kind of close between picking two and number one, and I'll state why I had number one uh, in just a few seconds, but The San Francisco 49ers are set to even take football um, by the balls next season. Um, In my opinion, they have the second brightest mind in all of football in uh, Kyle Shanahan as head coach, you know, only second to Sean McVay, in my opinion. Um, But, you know, I believe that they have better quarterback play. If you, you know, comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Jared Goff, I'd take Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Of course, you know, the roster still needs some refining, but I believe that, that will happen 5 years from now and they will be a dominant force a force to be reckoned with in the NFL. Um Jimmy Garoppolo will continue to pr- improve and thrive in a Kyle Shanahan offense that is always adapting. Um of course, you know, it takes some quarterbacks, you know, years to learn that offensive system and all the intricacies with, that come with it. So, I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be even better than what you saw in the final um 6 or 7 games I believe in last year's regular season. Um, And, you know, it doesn't just end there. Uh, You know, I like what they did in the draft first um, round. You know, taking Mike McGlinchey, um, you know, your future right tackle for the next decade. He's a, you know, quick, you know, he's a little undersized, but he's, you know, fast on his feet. He'll fit in with the whole bootleg system um, that San Francisco will look to run. Um, You look at, you know, they have Pierre Garçon coming back from injury. Um, Their wide receiving core looking to continue to improve. Um, Fortunately, in the middle of their defense, they have Ruben Foster back, Um, you know, Hopefully, um, you know, a lot of those domestic violence charges were all dropped when it came out that, um, his, uh, ex-girlfriend at the time was lying about it all and just trying to, uh, ruin his NFL career over a breakup. But, um, you know, hopefully, you know, Reuben Foster clears his name of some of the other charges and he can get back on the football field. Um, i like the pass rush in San Francisco. You know, it was a, not the best rookie year from Solomon Thomas, but i liked like DeForest Buckner, um... The offensive line, I do think, needs to get a little bit younger in the coming years. Um, Of course, you just lost Carlos Hyde at running back last season. Um, They brought in Jarek McKinnon from Minnesota, who I think Kyle Shanahan will love using um, in the passing and running game. So he will definitely have a great year. Um, And then the secondary is really my biggest worry with San Francisco. You have Richard Sherman in there right now, but not really some young guys where in five years, I can say can be one of the best corners in football. Of course, you know, they have time to find that. You know, I'm saying that, you know, I think they'll, they'll have a good season next year, but I really don't think they'll be atop the NFL for another three to five years. Um, so they have time to fill these pieces, but you look around the NFL and, you know, beside the teams that are already ready to win, um, you can't ignore the San Francisco 49ers and what they'll be able to accomplish five years down the road. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, my number one team who, you know, Isn't going to be great now, but five years down the road is going to be, you know, one of the faces of the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. um, And this should come as no surprise to you if you've heard me rave about, you know, the Chiefs and one guy in particular, um, Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, when you look five years down the road, you're going to say that he is a top eight, top six quarterback in the NFL um, I think especially those numbers will be even elevated. Um, his potential will be elevated from playing with Andy Reid. Um, that, that dynamic, that, that duo is going to be prolific. Um, I You know, you'll see glimpses of it next season, but I only expect Pat Mahomes to get better and better as the, the years go on. And they have one of the best offenses already, in my opinion, in the league. Um, you look at Kareem Hunt, they have, you know, in my opinion, you know, <laughs> it's it's a tie. It's close between to me between Rob Gronkowski, Gun- Kraus- Rob Gronkowski, and Travis Kelsey, simply because Rob Gronkowski is hurt all the time. Of course, fully healthy, Rob Gronkowski by a mile, but Travis Kelsey, undoubtedly the second best tight end in football. So that's an easy guy you can rely on. Tyree Kill, one of the fastest receivers I have ever seen play the game of football, um, which is great for Pat Mahomes because he can throw a deep ball like unbelievably um well better than any of you know quarterbacks I can remember seeing in recent years um you know the defense is shaky to me and you know they had to clear a lot of dead money on the defensive side they do have Eric Berry coming back um from a torn ACL or Achilles last year I'm not sure quite the injury but they also did trade away their number one cornerback they cut a bunch of you know aging guys on that defense so you know I don't expect the Chiefs to really be great right away I expect their offense to be great right away but you know I think they're gonna gonna have to spend a few years rebuilding that defense you know it it, it won't surprise me three to five years from now if the Chiefs are you know battling for Super Bowls one of the best teams in the NFL and all of that comes back to Pat Mahomes um, Andy Reid and that offense you know offense is the driving force um, The future of the NFL, it used to be your nitty-gritty Chicago Bears defense, and your Patriots defense won you the Super Bowls, <clears throat> but you look at, you know, the league um, last year, you know, or a couple years ago, Atlanta lit the league on fire under Kyle Shanahan, you had the Rams last year, um, the Eagles as well, um, high-octane offenses are the future of the NFL, and the Chiefs will have one of the best um, a few years down the road. Um, so, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs at number one, um, just going over my list real quick, Chiefs at number one, San Francisco 49ers at number two, the Chicago Bears led by Mitch Trubisky at three, my Indianapolis Colts um, with a healthy Andrew Luck at four, and the New York Jets at number five with an amazing defense and average quarterback play. And with all that said, we're going to bring back in this music. I appreciate you guys listening to the sixth episode of the Blake Pace podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Uh, shoot me an email at blakeandrewpace at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to have some discussions with you all, uh, hear your support, hear any feedback, um, you know, any things that you would like to hear on this show. Um, I appreciate the support. Happy Memorial Day. We'll catch you back on Wednesday where I'll preview the NBA Finals and we'll have some more NFL talk. Catch you guys then.